Would you care to step outside? We need to do this. Warning, PC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. Brings are back, bitches! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode on DC on RMD Titans Edition here on Rain Man Digital. As always, you can check out our past episodes of DC on RMD or any of our Rain Man Digital shows via pod, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. Just search DC on RMD. Like us, review us, subscribe to us, love us. Donate to our Patreon. Donate to our OnlyFans. Donate anywhere you can. Goodwill. Wherever. I'm your host, Steven. And tonight, it's just Paul and David. Lauren is on vacay. Hello. Hey. Right? Yep. Well, that's, what's, that's what's happening. She's our. She's our... She's our Donna this week. She's gone off gone to forever. Paris. Apparently, <laughs> I would have said like maybe Raven, but Donna means that basically she's dead. Right, well, sorry, Dawn, Dawn. Yeah, well, not Donna, Dawn. She went oh, on yeah, her. Yeah, she yeah. went was, on her uh, Paris. I misheard and heard Dawn anyway because the quote of the episode was Beast Boy saying "Gone forever," gone which forever. was not the impression that I had up until now. Yeah, that was not my impression either. So today we're going to be breaking down season three, episode six, titled Lady Vic, directed by Nick Gomez and written by Joshua Levy and Prathy Srinivasan. And I, before we get in, I want to give a quick score update because I did watch last episode again with yeah. Nicole. And I have to bump it up to 100. I have to. <laughs> You're going to join me. I have to. <laughs> now, Mike and I talked about this um, the other day and what we try to do with all of these shows and have always tried to do is look at it through both a critical eye and through the through the eye of, of a fan it's really hard with a show like this unlike um you almost could equate it a little bit to loki if you're not if you're not somebody that followed the mcu from day one day in day out and you just said oh hey there's this new show called loki and i'm going to watch it I can't imagine it would be a good time. No, exactly. Or take it even further. If you don't have even the proper comic book knowledge to know every uh, single thing. So I'll get to that in a second, because this show, unlike the Marvel universe is decoupled from anything else other than a slight tie to doom patrol. Right? So it's really decoupled from anything we've seen from what we could tell from what we could tell from what we could tell it's, it's, it's its own insulated little story they're telling. And so therefore, even if you started season one as a non-DC person or someone that has not had much familiarity with the, the written material, especially the written material, you're going to come in probably not knowing anything. No. Like you may understand when the Robins get dropped, you know, uh, name dropped, at least Dick. Um, but all of the other characters until you get to Bruce and Joker, they're going to be completely mystifying to you. Yeah. They're going to be new. They're going to be new. And even if you start in season one and get all the way to this point, 
there's so much comic knowledge. There's so much reference to, like we've said in previous episodes, the games, the, the, the cartoons, you're going to be pretty lost unless you're just mainlining DC bat family stuff. Honestly, it's, it's kind of like the, the Arkham games where as specifically like Arkham Asylum was like a loose adaptation of the animated series. Mm -hmm. So you could just jump into that game and you could enjoy it because it's fucking great. But if you, you know, if you were familiar with the animated series and the characters and all that, a lot of things would just kind of like click and you would feel at home just right away in this game. And then that whole series just built on itself. And I I think that that's what's really impressive about this series. When you compare all the DC shows up to this point, Titans has a way of, not only giving us the great feels as fans, but the quality of the writing, the quality of the writing and the right. production, the the acting down to even, you know, like the designs, the costume designs, the set designs, the cinematography is top notch. This is one of the best shows that has actually taken that extra step when it comes to production value. Oh yeah. There's no question um, first and foremost, we're looking at it through all of those lenses as well. And we talk about those things, but this season in particular is so heavy on bat lore and so heavy on even non bat lore, even outside of core Titans, they're, they're bringing in elements from mm-hmm. all corners. And so for those that aren't, um, well read of the material or, or other source material, um, hang in there and i hope you delve deeper into the source material right i hope you that it would encourage you to go and pick something up and dig deeper into the, these stories and these characters and these comics but from from me personally i will go on the record to say i am certainly leaning heavier towards my scores coming from the, the lens of the fan simply because of everything we just said and as a fan they're they're just they're just doing the lord's work for me it's it's littered with uh easter eggs and references yes and even you know again i yeah i absolutely want to implore people to uh you know, read read fucking comics read read some stuff um but like even if you something is referenced and you don't understand it you know google it spend a minute on wikipedia because you don't need much more knowledge than that. You're going to get enough from that. But if, if you, you get it. are interested in what you're reading there, maybe then look into the whole story. And just this, I mean, the series in general, of course, but specifically this season just feels yes. like a fucking gateway yes. to comics and specifically Batman. Even if you skip across the board, even if you skipped season one and season two and just dropped into this season, I think just because that first episode in particular, you may not know up from down. You won't know half the, uh, like any of the characters, but those, but we were, we were all kind of there, right? Right. For the first couple episodes. Exactly. So. If you watch that first one of those first three, that should really jumpstart you to go, okay, like I'm going to go and I'm going to either watch from season one, or I'm going to go pick up some source material of some kind because it's just so damn good. Well, it's, it's funny you bring this up because like, I've been actually watching this with uh, with my wife, and yeah. she's not a comic book person, but she basically says that she really likes it because I she doesn't I don't have to geek out on her because like since season one the story itself I mean if you look at the look at the how everything has been 
given to us, if we just look at as a lens as a story, it starts off with basically this is the story of Nightwing and his trials and tribulations with his friends and having to deal with his own family. You don't need to actually the beautiful thing about like the past season and especially when you get to here. Well, the the story of Dick. The, do- I want to the, story, say. Of Dick. the story of Dick because you because he doesn't need, become Nightwing until the right, end. Of so season, it's you don't right? the aftermath. You don't of his need life that knowledge as a comic book person, and that's what's impressive about the series too. Is like while us as fans, we're like, going, oh my god, these moments, especially in season this season, have been fantastic. It, you have to applaud the writers for carrying it for like up to three seasons now and yeah. still going and actually making this so compelling that basically I really do hope by the end of this season, Titans brings in more fans, more people, even from more mass audiences to show that basically, hey, you can have a superhero show that is of quality and you don't need to be a super uber geek to understand what's going on. You, you don't. Because the writing and the storytelling will carry you there. Let I, me, I want to jump in for a second because I am now caught up and this is an interesting topic because it really... I'm sorry, who's on the mic right now? This is Michael Flores. Michael, Michael just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> I, because this is a topic that I have been pondering for weeks. Oh, I know you have. Because this show is... First off, I want to say it's it's doing it successfully, and I don't understand how. Because this may be the show that makes you reevaluate how you write TV. Because if I was being critically responsible, I would say many of these episodes are probably like 65, 70%. But as a fan of DC, they're like 100%. It's yeah, some it of the best DC I've ever watched on TV. Yep. But take everything out from our Batman knowledge. And I don't think you can really understand what's happening. There's literally no setup on who Bruce Wayne really is last season. You don't know anything about Joker at all. There's no setup. There's no character development. It's just like some guy pretend we don't have years and decades of knowledge of Joker. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that just killed somebody and that's it. They've talked about him a few times. We don't know who he is. The Lazarus pit that they are are used. There's no setup. There is there's literally nothing explaining what it is, which is horrible writing on paper. On and paper, yet, yeah. For some reason, it, it works. fucking works. So it's making you reevaluate how they write certain TV. Now you said something last week, I think, Steve, that this was built on the backs of giants. I believe was was your yeah was your saying, and you're absolutely right. They are utilizing. I feel and a bit of a cheat. It's it's cheating. They're using. All the Batman stuff from years before that are not connected to the show in any way, but they're using that and in hopes that the mainstream can kind of connect the dots because realistically, everyone probably knows who the Joker is. Realistically, 60, 70% of people probably know the Lazarus pit, but there are a lot of elements that if you were reviewing this show, if I was reviewing the show responsibly and I was not a DC fan, I would be like, yep, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't right, make right. sense. And yet I don't see those types of complaints online. Yeah. So it makes me think that this is a new thing completely. I do not believe there's ever been a TV show that has been written like this ever. I, I would agree. And I think with, um, you, you know, maybe one caveat to what you just said, Mike, was, uh, you know, Battlestar, right? The, the miniseries drops you right in episode one. And unless you had some inkling of, of what was going on, you, you know, you would, from the, from the original lost. series, 
you'd be like, what the hell is happening? Now, they give you a little bit of setup, but I think where where DC, because of how they've just done all of their television and movies up to this point, it's just kind of all over the place. It's scattered. I mean, Joker was a perfect example of a film where, hey, we're just going to make a movie about the Joker. It's shotgun writing. Yeah, no context (laughs) whatsoever. It's just, here's Joker. Do you think that basically, here's the thing, Mike. I mean, it's the, if you think about it, as a critic and as me and you knowing how writing goes, essentially what they're doing is using MacGuffins everywhere. MacGuffins everywhere. And essentially. But, I mean. <laughs> but here's the thing. You have all these MacGuffins everywhere, but you still have like this really strong st- structure of a story. And like the, the, the theme, because uh, the past couple of shows that we've all done together, the one thing we keep throwing around is they keep sticking to their themes. They keep mm-hmm. sticking to their myth arcs. I think that's the and reason why it's a success is because because they, that backbone's so strong, you can throw MacGuffins anywhere you want. But as long as the audience knows, hey, wait, we're still going to tie to like our themes and our story. We're going to snap back. They we're have snap a clear. Back. They have a clear strategy and plan when it comes to story. And I and it seems like as long as they stick to that story, yes, that it will work because they're sticking to their story. But they are building. They're building this on a house made of cards. Made of cards. And one fucking mistake. This show could fucking fall apart. So it was very it dangerous. But this is that whole saying that we say a lot. If you know the rules, you can break the rules. And this showrunner knows the fucking rules of television so well that he is fucking cutting corners in a way that's so fucking dangerous. He's playing fast and loose with everything we know about television writing and so far, he's coming off as a big swinging deck. Yeah. Yeah. I think that sums it up perfectly. And uh, let's let's get into the episode. <laughs> let's do that. So pacing, one thing we talked about last week was the pacing. And, and last week was really intense. The episode was just nonstop action and awesomeness. And this one slowed it down quite a bit, which is not a bad thing. It, it, we kind of need a breather. We had three really you know, intense back-to-back episodes. They slowed it down for four. Five was intense as fuck. And now we're slowing it down. So I don't have a problem with that. I think you got to have room to step back and like, you got to have the roller coaster. Right? Yeah. It, it, you got to have a moment to just kind of step back, collect yourself, kind of absorb what you've watched, process it. And, and, and we needed that after the last episode, mm-hmm. but that still gave us plenty of room to get into some of these other characters. Yes. Um, Barbara, even though she was the first episode was titled Barbara Gordon, right? Now we actually get an episode that goes kind of into her backstory. We haven't yeah. seen yet. We haven't seen what what caused her to be in a, in a wheelchair. We all know from the books. They and, and to to build off of the whole discussion that just kind of happened. I don't think we're going to see that. They mentioned I think it briefly in one episode of the Joker doing something. Right. right. And I think, but like, that's I it. I, think I, that's I don't fine. think we're getting more. Yeah. Than that. yeah. Unless it actually ties into the story at hand, which I, at, up to this point, it has to deal with Nightwing. It has to deal mm-hmm. with Dick because look at the Corey and Gar stuff. While they're separate, the theme that they were going through is exactly what, you know, Nightwing's gone through. What is Nightwing going through? He's going through family troubles mm-hmm. and having to deal with his quote unquote younger brother being an asshole. Mm-hmm. Corey has to deal with Blackfire, 
who's being an asshole. And it's yeah. a fam- family troubles again. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing the parallel between now Corey and Nightwing, how they both have to deal with their family issues. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in the beginning when Corey tries to reach out to Dick and basically Dick brushes her off. I'm fine. And that he's fine. And it's very, it's very re- uh, realistic how he reacts because oh, yeah. to him, the Bat family's his family. The Titans is the group that he he's assembled. They're mm-hmm. his team. They're not his family. They're his team. But to those team members, many of them feel that this is their family. This is their family. Because they don't have something else. And what I found really interesting was as they went into Barbara, one, I wanted to point this out a couple episodes back. And they really had a good shot of it in, in this episode when she got into her little fight, which was badass. We'll get to that in, in later. Her wheels have a yellow pinstripe around them, which is <laughs> yes. like a little wink wink to her Batgirl costume, which I think is it's subtle, but it's really cool that they added that little that little treatment. But we get to see more of Barbara before she ended up in the wheelchair. And I was really surprised with that. I was too. And more so surprised the way they played that character in this storytelling that the daughter of a police commissioner would be a bad girl and do whatever to kind of buck the authority of commissioner daddy. Now that's a very cliche and very real thing. Right. And like it, it almost makes more sense than like the the real thing. It makes where perfect sense be, because, like you know, re- realistically, Batgirl is you know kind of bucking Dad's authority by like upholding the law in her own way, yeah, right, with her own methods. Yeah. Um, and this is just like ah, I'll steal jewels. Yeah, I'm a badass. I somehow learned to fight. Um, a total badass. She's stealthy. She's a little. Catwoman 2.0, if you will, yes. and going in and being a cat burglar, but she's bucking the authority of dad. My dad was a police officer, and I can tell you from firsthand experience. You've done a lot this, of crimes. This is No, I have not been a cat burglar. <laughs> um, th- that tends to happen. I've, I grew up with people whose, whose uh, parents were also um, law enforcement. I knew people who, I knew one kid whose dad was a judge. And some of the most... Uh, you know, shall we say l- loose with laws type of people can be the very people who grow up under that because of the rigid structure. And even if you're, you know, parents are maybe uh, military even, right? There's just this tendency to do the opposite, to not be that because it can be rather rigid. So the way that they played this, I really appreciated it. It felt real. And, and then we see Dick in his, arguably his prime as Robin kind of swoop in to save the day and it's just tit for tat ass whooping back and forth and then ultimately they end up becoming partners in crime which was interesting from the dick perspective because that's not him that's not his his character type that's not that's not who he is as a person yeah but it just goes to show you what someone will do for a piece of ass it also (laughs) goes to show that in Gotham, is it really a crime if no one got murdered? If no one got murdered, yeah, I know. It's, it, you if know a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, did it happen? I mean, they were stealing. They were. They were. But no one got hurt. No one got hurt. No one got hurt. Um, we're we're led to believe that they at least considered returning the jewels. They did, and, and initially, I think she said that 
she was just doing it to like point out flaws right in the in the security, in the, in the security so, system and it just yeah. it just goes to even further the knowledge that we've always thought of gotham as kind of like this cesspool it's it's like mm. the worst city in the world right? yeah it, it even says on the sign go home go home <laughs> but like when you get to actually see two of our heroes even they are kind of bending the laws in gotham and no one seems to care so Dick said recently to the team and Bruce had had said to uh, I think it was to Jason in the last episode, Gotham does things to people. It changes it does you. things to people. Yeah. And so here's a straight, relatively straight and narrow two straight and narrow people corrupted just because you can get you can get by with anything in Gotham, which I'm sure I've never been to New York, but I've heard you. Pretty much do whatever the fuck you want. It's kind of like Vegas, yeah. but different. Which is which is interesting. You do whatever you want because it just continues that emotion that we had when Don left. Because what did Don say to Dick? He, she's he, she said, "Let's go. Let's mm-hmm. leave this place." Yeah, because you know I really do like the way that they've uh, characterized the city of Gotham. It's, a, it's its own living, breathing. It's a entity. It's an entity, but on top of that. In past stories, we've always just used it as a characterization of a setting, but the right, setting, the, they're, they're actually showing that the setting affects people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's actually really cool because you it don't, is. we don't see that a lot in storytelling. I don't think you see it a lot. And, and when you do see it, I don't think it de- it translates as well. I mean, anybody can relate to having lived in a location and had it affect them either in a positive or a negative way if they spend any significant amount of time there. And some people do well in certain locales and some people do not so well. And Gotham is certainly a coin toss. And and so I, I really appreciated that. I, I liked seeing Barbara in her prime before her incident with the Joker. Um, she's a total badass, a, to, a total hottie. I mean, clearly she's and she seduced Dick. It was obviously <laughs> that that was obvious that, that was going to happen. And uh and it was kind of cool during that whole opening as well that um, – and I was wondering this a few episodes back. There was a couple of shots in, in several episodes where she's in her wheelchair wheeled up and, and watching everything on the big multi-screen display, right? You got monitors all lined up to make one big movie-looking screen. Yeah. Mm. And every time they showed that, I kept looking over to Nicole and was like, Oracle – yeah, it's Oracle. Oracle. It, it's Oracle, but we, they haven't said it mm-hmm. until this episode. They dropped the name Oracle. Oracle. Paul, give us an intro to Oracle. Um, so after getting uh, crippled, is that the is that a bad word? I was going to use it. Word. She after was crippled. getting blasted through the spine <laughs> by Joker's very big gun and losing mobility outside of a wheelchair, uh, Barbara stops being Batgirl and you know, still wants to contribute something. Right. Mm -hmm. So between the bat family, as well as the, like the, the quote unquote agents of the birds of prey, um, she takes on the handle, uh, Oracle and she's, she's just, she, in, in most, uh, I guess versions, um, she has like a mini bat cave up in the top of a clock tower in the center of Gotham. And yeah, she's just fucking eyes in the sky. She sees everything everywhere. She remotely hacks stuff. She does everything and anything she can to help everybody in the field. Uh, and that's just kind of her role. Um, it's, it's, you know, super cool. It's a great way for her to remain like a key part 
um, kind of kind of like what Alfred does for Batman on the occasional points where he is at the computer only probably times 10 and a lot of times she's doing it for like three to four different people in different cases at the same, at the time. same time yeah she's um, she's like a centri- she's like jarvis before jarvis i think right. i also think <laughs> that, that basically for a lot of fans of barbara gordon a lot of pe- there's some people out there that say her time as oracle is better than her time as background really and i've actually i've actually thought about that and I've basically said, yeah, you know what? Character develop del- development wise, when Barbara became Oracle, she essentially got to be more than just a crime fighter. She showed that she was probably even just as smart as Bruce, learning underneath him to be eyes in the sky. But just because she's stuck in the tower, she's not helpless. She has more power basically sending out the birds of prey or even sending out some of the bat family to do things. And that's even worse. <laughs> yeah so I mean, just that, as, that said though and and we may um you know we may be moving toward this anyway when they do bring up oracle in this it's like uh it's it's, it's almost like taboo right it's like it, i there's yeah. like a not just like oh i don't want to do that again it was like 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 panicked hesitance and it, 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 like, i got the sense like the, it was another being or something right so the sense i got from it um and just as a side i I just looked it up and i meant to put it in the notes so her first appearance as oracle was suicide squad 23 i actually picked that up a few years ago with bobby and ryan we were at a con and it it was dirt cheap Hmm. i don't think they knew what they had so i snagged it (laughs) and then i snagged another copy of a suicide squad the cover's awesome and it's barbara in the chair wielding a giant 44 magnum yeah and which again we get to see her wielding guns that are somehow attached to her magical chair which we'll get to that that was awesome but um yeah i got the sense paul that the oracle that they speak of isn't necessarily barbara herself but it, it sounded as though it was some kind of machine learning slash ai i mean i got computer software i got vibes of uh what was it the dark knight where some sort of forbidden technology bingo Bingo, where Uh, he triangulated everybody's cell phone that's exactly the feeling i got that or she pops a bunch of adderall and just sits in front (laughs) of like five computers and she just didn't want to go back there yeah she she couldn't go back to i want to bring this up to you because you probably would have seen it too paul is like i was thinking omac Especially like, you know, the way that it was portrayed, you kind of get the sense that basically they're kind of alluding to OMAC as, you know, we all know Batman created OMAC, the system basically that basically could destroy the world because it's an all seeing eye type of computer. Mm. So when they were first discussing it, I'm like, going, hmm. I wonder if it, they're actually going to bring in OMAC. It could be a combo, a combination of both. Of and that's why that's why Barbara was hesitant yeah. to actually go there because she's everyone who knows about the in the comics. Everyone knows how dangerous the OMAC system was and how taboo it was. And the only one that w- wanted to use it was, of course, Batman. <laughs> so what's interesting about that too is is them not using that and dick having to go a different route to yeah. them not using it yet. yet yet at least not yet but then dick having to go back to the bat cave and and having gar help him out it was there was a teachable moment there where dick got to impart some awesome 
training and wisdom that he had learned from Bruce. Hey, Gar, let me let me show you some fucking bat powers. Yeah, let me show you some <laughs> some powers. detective skills. Really, it was like it was literally like sonar though. Like it was literally bat powers. Yeah, like I'm going to close my eyes and focus my attention on the room and channel everything out and just listen to sound and try to figure out what it is I'm hearing without seeing anything because they didn't have any video they just had an audio and that was really cool that that is classic great world's greatest detective and type he, stuff Batman, he set yeah. he set all of the speakers facing out right so that they'd like blast out and kind of like echo back in like it wasn't it wasn't just all the noise coming straight to him he was like filling the room with noise yes. and it was like it was, it was fucking bat powers, man. Yeah, it, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And then uh, another um, small, tiny moment that was interesting, because, again, we've got Blackfire now. And we talked about uh, the episode before last of what are we going to do here? Do we need Blackfire? It certainly seems like she's going to be joining the team in some capacity. Maybe not just yet, but that's the feeling that they're kind of putting out there. And which is her just essentially filling the hole that was just left by Hawk and Dove now not a part of the team because one's dead and the other one on went permanent vacation. So the fact that she's struggling to even sort of try to fit in and she, but has, she also knows like so many like English earth <laughs> phrases. Yes. She knows a lot more than you, she should know for sure. Um, but the fact that Connor really was extending an olive branch because Connor's still a very, he was like born two days ago kind of guy. Mm. And he really tried to empathize with her and reach reach out to her and say, hey, look, these guys took me in and they've made me feel welcome and part of the family. Maybe they would do the same for you. And I thought that was just a really special moment to show how the way his brain works, even with the Lex DNA, he still just has a very caring and loving. That was the Clark side. It very much That's was. the Clark side. Do you think that was genuine bonding, though, or was she manipulating him? I don't know yet from her side of the fence. I think from his side, it, it just yeah, it it was, showed it his... It's genuine. It's genuine. From I, her side, I felt like maybe she was coming from a place of of manipulation, but maybe if there's anybody who can break down that barrier with her, it's Connor. And I turned to Nicole, I said, those two, they're going to be fucking... <laughs> it will happen. It will happen. I, I hate... The, uh, yeah. <laughs> I hate the fucking... You know, they're, they're talking about the machine, right? Talking about the, the two personalities, yeah. the two sides of the personality of Connor. Um, you know, he explains like what this whole machine does, not really understanding it, but explaining exactly what it does. It does. And um, Starfire is like, OK, so now, you know, if you were some evil blah, 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 like what would you do with that? And like, you know, him having to. I mean, it's a blow to the ego, right? Like, okay, well, let me turn on the evil part of my brain. I'm like, you, you were just using the Lex part of your brain to explain what this is. Right. Like, the Lex part of your brain, of your personality, is not all evil. It's been very useful so far. You saved somebody. He saved somebody you, with the same skill set that he didn't save Hank yeah, with. But he doesn't realize was, it, though. He doesn't realize yet. it. Also, 
do you think there's a reason he couldn't just jump straight to that perfect one? Is it like a different algorithm each time? I think that was a plot hole unless they come back later and they explain like, it away. It would have been fucking cool if he was like, uh, nobody dies this time. And he was just, boom, yeah. 0% failure, saved her. So the only reason I would I would give him a little bit of leeway on the, on the plot hole aspect is, and I said this to Nicole while we were watching it, in the Batcave, he had copious amounts of time relative to this instance and he had god knows what at his disposal in the bat cave in terms of materials and so- mm-hmm. software yes. and chips and soldering and, and this he just had two computers to tear apart yeah he had what he had at his disposal now interestingly enough somehow he had a magical iphone app on his phone that would tell him what percentage was complete well, he just never uninstalled that okay yeah. I, I need that on my phone. Is that is that in the app store? Just in case. I, <laughs> I think find it's my... like three ninety nine. No, I'm not paying shit. So that th- those little things I, you mentioned earlier, those little MacGuffins, maybe later we'll get some more explanation that'll make me a little more comfortable about that. But well, um, the thing is too with Connor, we're willing to accept it because the way they've written him is just like what you said. We as the audience already have been introduced to Connor as this person has just been born essentially yesterday right so while he has all these powers it's believable to understand that he doesn't know how to use them or doesn't like, know that he could just remember how everything he like that zero percent perfection thing i think it's just an instinctive thing and also you gotta throw in the fact that while he had everything in front of him and he was going to succeed the only thing he could not calculate was what jason and don were gonna do he can ca- calculate everything on his end, but when it came down to the incident between Don and Jason, there would be, there's no way he could calculate that. So that was a chaotic thing that basically entered the equation and ruined his entire equation. Right. He, he, he doesn't have that, that wisdom through experience. He doesn't have that, you know, all knowing sense. Yeah. He's also you know? right next to this lady instead of in a cave under the house. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that was really interesting seeing Connor and, um, but again, the black fire thing, I'm still hesitant of whether or not I care about her. She is foxier than hell. And, and the, the outfits that Starfire has been wearing. Corey, yeah. I like the, I like the outfits. Every, I specifically this episode, I hated it. Really? Just because it was. It was a it was a fine little mini dress like she's constantly wearing, but they like wanted it to be more than just a simple mini dress. So they put this weird like armored corset over it. You noticed that well, too, right? It was, they it were was very corset. clearly two different garments. It was a corset <laughs> dress over a leotard top. Top. What I found I think interesting, the top and the bottom were connected. The corset was completely independent. Well, she's a fashion nova. Like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> or a fashionista uh, she you know I, I appreciate what the costume designers have done every episode with her wardrobe to always somehow do a nod to her classic looks throughout yeah. the ages for again for the fans that are, are familiar with it um you see those those aesthetics getting pulled into the costume design which i appreciate if you're not 
um familiar with yeah her i mean if, if you're just sitting here thinking that starfire in this series is constantly dressed like a hooker like <laughs> oh, google yes. her costume google, her her costume. google the history of her yeah. wardrobe because it's fucking bonkers you just read you just read my mind paul because again if you don't know the material this broad dresses like a streetwalker for all intents and purposes she's almost <laughs> constantly in like a weird bikini yes, yes. Because of, you know, if written, at all, written and drawn else, by men. <laughs> if and at all, anything else. Because Starfire in the comics is, uh, it's something about, they they explain that that's the Tamaranian way. is like, they like a hooker. They don't care about sexual identity mm. and stuff like that. So seeing someone naked doesn't make them flinch. Doesn't make me flinch either. <laughs> you'd think you'd cover more skin if the air on t- Tamaran would burn like, burns it. the, burn you. Burns yeah. the skin. <laughs> you would think. And that was also a cool moment is that she could tell the Blackfire could tell Connor was something was off about him. He she could sense his Kryptonian blood, but there was something else going on. So I, th- that was just it's, a really special it's moment. Super funny though that she's literally on a planet full of earth human earthlings and like couldn't tell what the other half, half of this Kryptonian was. was. So again, plot hole. There, there's little ones. It's, it's it, this this it, episode. Is was, it a plot hole or is it a setup for something? And that's why I'm giving him a little bit of leeway here, a little bit of rope. Um, as Mike said, it's a, it's a, it's built on a house of cards, and maybe that's just one that falls out. And the thing is, I mean, last episode we were saying that the Blackfire story is going to be the fragile point of the season. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, I mean, everything to and make this a perfect series season, the Blackfire storyline has to work. Yep. It has to. So they're introducing just, all these like little elements that basically have like, like, okay, you're adding to the, the, that stack of cards. It either has to work or it will all have been wasted energy that could have been saved for a later point in time, or mm-hmm. it, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll get into some of the other meat. Keep Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page. Uh, your continued support allows us to continue to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging $1 to $10 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Digital to pledge. think it it's in the movie it's almost like a uh, what not to do yeah for your film school yeah what not to do for dummies is a new book that i think wes miller is going to write for <laughs> for film school rejects how not to make a movie for dummies i'm not a writer by any stretch of the imagination but even i think i could have pulled something off uh, a tad bit better i think you have i think you actually have on your iphone a few times <laughs> you posted those little 30 second clips to instagram stories and instagram like oh yeah that's pretty entertaining <laughs> those little videos are more entertaining than this movie wow the shit within the center of a toilet paper square after you wipe your asshole is more entertaining than this movie wow the one shining aspect and i say shining very i mean listen in a pile of shit wow. if you throw a dime 
on the top of that pile of shit, and the sun is just above, just perfectly, you're going to see that dime shine and reflect despite all the badness. There's this dime. There's this dime. <laughs> Weird West Radio, exclusively on Rain Man Digital. Head over to RainmanDigitalMedia.com or search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. So, this episode introduced a character called Lady Vic. It's the name of the episode. I was so excited. Um, did, did you know that Lady Vic is short for Lady Victim? Victim, yeah. Because she creates so many. And that's not surprising, given how she conveyed herself. I yeah. mean, she is a badass from the opening scene, slicing and dicing and cutting people up and throwing knives at them. She's she's pretty hardcore. I mean, yeah, literally, like she's she's at a diner for we don't know no reason, no crazy. reason. And then, oh hey, there's two cops. I'll kill them. Yeah, uh, just, <laughs> just because. Just because. Also, imagine being. Like, not only a cop in a relationship with another cop, but that cop that you're in a relationship with is your fucking partner. And it makes perfect sense. If you're spending all day together in a squad car doing patrol work and and you have, you know, a lot of time together, sooner or later, somebody's going to catch the feels. And then sooner or later, you're going to be parking the car in an alley, a dark alley in Gotham. Getting pancakes. <laughs> yeah, getting pancakes. There's some pancakes happening. So, Lots of syrup. Yes. So it made perfect sense. But I personally was unfamiliar with the character. I know she came, uh, she was introduced in Nightwing number four, number four late 90s. Um, not a character that I was familiar with until this show, and I had to go do a little bit of homework. Um, but one, one scene in particular I really appreciated was when Barbara got tricked by her which was very surprising. And Barbara goes to crime alley of all places. <laughs> and that's where Bruce would tell you, Hey, meet me at crime. Meet, I mean, meet me where it all started. Like it makes sense that it would be crime alley started for him. Right. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have started for he her. Doesn't care where I'm other sorry. people started. I'm sorry. I was just giggling that basically, well, we got another Titan that just got buffooned into buffooned. something <laughs> because like, let's see, Jason tricks, Hawking to getting yes. naked and getting into the pool. Lady well, and, Vic, and Lady Vic. To, to be fair, this is an example of them actually like quote unquote following the rules. Remember a couple episodes ago, we had Bruce talk to Jason in the alley explaining that this is more or less where it all started with him. This is where mm -hmm. the parents died. So if the audience didn't already know the significance of crime alley, that has that been has explained been in this show and yes. why this is the place that she would go to meet him. Quote, you know, makes sense. Air quote, air quote. Yeah. So sort of, I would have been like, you know, meet me in the back cave. Or meet me literally think, anywhere I on the top of the GCD. point is, isn't isn't this the dialogue recording of Bruce talking to Jason that uh, obviously Crane had access to and gave to Lady Vic and for so, the setup? And so that's the biggest thing that's going on. Again, back to your point earlier, David, uh, the themes and and besides fear being part and parcel to the core of this this season is Scarecrow is really coming to be the master uh, puppeteer yes. in all of this. <laughs> he had plans within plans. That whole chess thing clearly was, was him. He's playing chess like a motherfucker, 
and getting Bruce to kill Joker took Joker off the chessboard. That's one person that Crane doesn't, doesn't have, have to, to worry about. Doesn't have to worry about. Bruce, in effect, is now taken off the chessboard. That's a person he doesn't have to worry about. Two heavy hitters that he he does not have to deal with. I mean, theoretically, the two heaviest hitters. Like, yes. well, yeah. every you could you could consider that like if those two are just the S tier of Gotham, one spectrum versus the other. If you take them off the table, then like everyone else is A tier and below. Well, right. that's, anyone I, else could accomplish anything. That's what yep. I think Crane felt is like Bruce and the Joker are the only obstacles in his way of controlling Gotham. Yep. Because if Joker were to be around, I think all of the rogues gallery knows Joker's the wild card. If you tried to take over Gotham and Joker's around, Joker's not going to be happy. Yeah, like, honestly, imagine <laughs> being, like, just fucking Mr. Freeze, just doing your thing, trying to figure out how to unfreeze Nora and occasionally robbing a bank. And, like, you still got to worry about the Joker blowing up your house for no reason. For no right. reason. <laughs> so all those, you know, and again, we, we, we saw all the, the, the two-faced coin and all that stuff in the other episode. One can almost assume because those trophies exist in there and they existed with Scarecrow's mask that all of those chess pieces are also off, off, the, table. The, off the table. They're not they're not playable. Theoretically, theoretically. So he really has a, a big opportunity here and he clearly, for whatever reason, has a relationship with Lady Vic and and is dollars. Yeah, and, and is trying to somehow use her as a pawn potentially, but she has some vengeance to, to get through, right? Yeah. So her going to the alley to exact her revenge on Barbara goes back to the scenes we saw where her and uh, and Dick were fighting with Lady Vic, <laughs> Vic. and her man friend slash boyfriend slash whoever lover. the fu- lover, lover, yeah. And she ends up killing her own lover in the heat of that fight. She did a, a whoopsie murder. Yeah. Oops. And so that was her opportunity to get back at uh, Barbara. Now, it's like, it's, I don't know, just fucking smart, right? Because like just at, at the core level, um, Gotham's always got assassins running around in it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, she, she's essentially a, a Deathstroke type character, yeah. but probably much cheaper. Right. She's she's already got her own motivations Mm -hmm. to go after at least one of Crane's targets. Yep. And her motivation or her her loyalty to him is just going to be based on the money that he's giving her, because as he's seeing Jason's loyalty to him is kind of wavering because their motivations are too similar. They are too similar, but they're not on the same page. Right. And yes. Jason thinks that that he's in charge, and clearly he I learns. Yeah. Yeah. He learns the hard way. Yeah, Scarecrow puts the fucking fear of God, God in, in that him. boy. Yes. Which again, going back to the fear theme of the yep. season, dude. When he tells him he's expendable, that, that yes. was that was cold. That Very was cold. cold. And and also just shows you how tactical. Scarecrow has been this whole time. He's a master tactician that n- many of us probably didn't think of him that way prior to this. I would have thought in a lot of ways, someone like the Riddler would have been more of a tactician in, in such a grandioso fashion, uh, especially with things like chess and gaming and riddles and things of that nature. But here we have a guy who's a master psychologist and got all the skinny on all the people from Jason 
he would have known possibly that Dick and Barbara had this run in with Lady Victim and that that was somebody that would have wanted to exact revenge. Well, let me give her a ring. Let me uh, make her an offer she can't refuse. Give her an opportunity to get her vengeance. And it gives me a strong arm to deal with Jason if he gets out of line. And of course, Jason is going to try to step out of line, right? We've got this crazy new concoction of fear, anti-fear gas. And we talked about maybe he, Jason had a special version that was mixed up for him that would maybe get him addicted. I'm not convinced yet that he's addicted to it because it's a drug uh, that's special a special concoction necessarily, but maybe it's just that he's getting that dopamine fix. He's getting that anti-fear fix. It's allowing him to do things that previously he couldn't do. And he's addicted to that feeling. That said, just in, in my opinion, like kind of plot hole here is, um, obviously this isn't the same thing as venom, but it's, it's doing a similar kind of a, an, an empowering thing for Jason. Yes. Yes. So why is Jason so gung ho about, getting like his special juice like on the street and in the hands of other people well you know? he like, wanted he he was unsure as to why we needed this special mixture what was wrong with what we got we just got it right, right 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 but like so so he just wants to be selling it like period why does he want to sell it that's like 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 bane chaos. would never want to sell venom he wouldn't that's his shit I, he, he doesn't want anyone else to have those right. advantages if you think about it he's he's a young he's still the boy that lashes out at everybody, yeah. especially since this came after Crane scaring the fear of putting the fear of God in him yes. and saying, Hey, you're expendable kid. You understand. Right. And to, to someone like Jason up to this point who he has tried to connect with at least someone, they always seem to turn on him every and single every time. Single time he, every single time that they turn on him, what does he do? He lashes out. Mm-hmm. So he's just he's lashing, he's lashing out. out. He wants that he chaos. He's in throwing Gotham. that temper tantrum. He's throwing a temper tantrum. He doesn't know how to process his feelings, and and probably spending more time with Leslie would have been uh, well suited for him. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but he didn't do that, and so now they're going to flood the streets of Gotham with this anti-fear gas. And we see the first inkling of what's to come if that happens in mass. You know, in, in Batman Begins. We see the opposite. We're going to flood the entire city with fear gas. That's one way. In this one, we're going to flood all the bad guys. You create genuine fear by creating sociopath monsters fueled by this anti-fear. Yep. And we see the first situation of that playing out, which is Jason watching as a hoodlum goes in to Tim Drake's Drake's family, question mark, uh, Chinese restaurant. And um, they, some people, get, you know, at least one person gets gunned down. They get robbed. Um, and now we have a, a, a very, we have a person who's who's going to be very emotionally distraught over what has happened, which is prime pickings for Bruce to come back into the city, either deal with Jason with the Titans or not with the Titans I don't I don't think this brings Bruce back. I think this is motivation for Tim to do some digging, whether yes. that's what this drug that's is what or whatever. I think that's step and one. And then I think he takes 
he takes this information to the Titans somehow. I or, don't know or, if it's just him going to Wayne Manor, knowing that that's their base, or if he catches them on the street. Maybe he makes a little fucking app that'll call them somehow. He's definitely but, going to do some investigating. Yeah. He's definitely going to figure something out. I, I honestly, fully believe that. I honestly think at this point, Tim, Tim's story is going to intertwine with Jason. It's going to be Tim versus Jason. Oh, you think he's going to find out that Jason's because, the Red Hood? And yeah, because Tim, Tim's going to probably try to figure, try to want to know who caused all this. We all know it was Jason. Jason at, is the one who passed out the, the the gas. So all blame at this point, especially for all the people, will fall on Jason. So. That's I mean, where is his he, is he going to trace it go. back to Jason selling the first batch to these, you know, six guys 20 feet outside the restaurant? Or is he going to trace it back to Scarecrow for creating this thing in the first place? It, it, he could very well trace it back to both situations. Yeah. I fully I suspect it, we're going to see him in his very beginnings of of using his knowledge to turn it into a little bit of detective work. Yeah. And then how that sets the stage or whether maybe Dick plays the role of Batman in this situation and Dick is the one. I find that a little hard to believe that it would be Dick to bring him into the Bat family. He can't turn away a stray. And we don't know how many <laughs> exactly. parents this boy has saying? anymore. Yeah. It's going to get really interesting really quick. And I mean, we're on season or we're on episode six. Theoretically, we were talking about the math earlier uh, I, th- I think it is um, 13. Every fucking time you say that, I second guess myself. It's and then I tw- look it up. It's either 12 or 13. <laughs> I've looked it up every fucking show so far. Okay. Um, so while Paul looks that up, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and do our final scores. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. All right, Paul, we're back. 13 episodes. 13 episodes. Okay, so 13 episodes. We got seven left. To That's quite a bit of runway. Yeah, that's, to land that's a lot of runway still. So let's just jump right into scores. Did you happen to reach out to Miss Lauren? I did. She didn't have time to watch it. Yeah. Okay. So we'll make sure to update Lauren's score. Paul, what's your score on this one? Uh, I don't know. So like... Genuinely, I enjoyed the episode. I'm really like confused about what they're doing with the Blackfire stuff yeah. because like her her being like there's there's some comedy and there's some character development and some bonding and like like things are happening. It's not like nothing, but 
I, I don't know what her purpose is. I don't think she's going to be the big bad at this point. And we're only halfway through, but I, that, I don't feel like that's where we're going with this character. And especially with Crane bringing on, you know, Lady Vic showing that like, even if, even if she isn't just this consistent new threat, he can just bring in somebody else. Like it's, he, he is the big bad. He is, we're going to center around him. So, um, I just don't know what we're doing with, with Blackfire. Um, that said, like, I'm, I'm glad we're only halfway through because we still got Donna Troy and Raven shit to fit into the season somewhere. (laughs) Somehow. Um, Mm -hmm. But all in all, I, you know, I, I enjoyed the episode. I think I'm going to go like a 86. Okay. David, what about you? Uh, I'm around the same score as uh, Paul. I actually have this scored as an 85. I was guessing that basically after what I feel is a, was a perfect episode because we scored it. I scored it out of a hundred. You, I was expecting a dip. I was expecting that basically, okay, we're going to see that roll off. It was just a question of how bad is the roll off going to be? And the roll off wasn't that bad. I mean, yes, they introduced a lot of quote unquote things in here that could be misconstrued as plot holes, Mm -hmm. but they still have a lot of like ground to cover. Mm -hmm. So introducing like the stuff with the Blackfire thing was probably the best they could have done at that point. Because let's face it, the Blackfire story didn't get off on a good foot. I, I at least appreciate her as a character. Yeah, right now, I kind of could get behind her as a character, especially because the the way they've brought it brought her connection to not just Corey but Connor. Yes, I, and I think without that connection to Connor, I would be much more nervous about the situation. Yes. However, I still don't care about. Relative to what we're dealing, what we're with. dealing with, yeah, that's I mean, the core of the story, and that's really where I just want a lot of emphasis and time spent. Yeah, and that's the that's going to be the biggest thing because remember last episode we were saying they essentially have done one of the best tellings of a Batman story we've seen up to this point. How do you fit the Titans now into this? How do you fit Corey? How do you fit Gar? How do you fit Connor into this story? Mm-hmm. If it's Batman, how do you fit Raven and Donna? Exactly. So there's a lot of there's people. a lot of there's a lot of you know stuff yeah. they have to make up. I've I've seen images of Raven coming back with her white costume too. So like there is a lot of character little, growth to little, explain. Yeah, it's yeah, and and that's seven episodes to get from a black costume to a white costume, right? And yeah, I uh, I feel you. I'm I'm picking up hints of sarcasm from you, um, <laughs> but like the 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 impact of the costume change on like her powers and her demeanor, um, and I think she's just going to come back from the island like that. But I think we're still going to have to like experience. I don't. Are what we going to cut did. away at some point and get like two episodes just on the island? But if they do that, then that 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 could be a bad thing. It right? Could be yeah, a bad that's thing. Really it, a bad it, thing. it could also be just fine that we don't cover any of that this season. And that's the season cliffhanger well, at what the, the end. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm back. Or we're back. Well, especially Bingo. I think especially, they're Game of Thrones this. They're gonna start doing that. If you look at what they're doing already, they're gonna have moments where, hey, you remember them from two I'm sorry, seasons. who's on the mic right now? This is it's Jorge gone. Hernandez. Um <laughs> I think that's what you're going to say. You're good. Cause I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, yeah. what are they going to do with all these elements? And honestly, you don't really quite miss them because the story is so, 
is being told it's so good. well. It's tight. It's yeah. So they're going to go there eventually. But honestly, I feel like they're going the Game of Thrones route where you may get a moment during this season to remind us, but their story isn't going to matter until the previous season. The previ- and I'm okay season. with that. Yeah, because, I, like, I think that works. I honestly think the way that it, it's going to go is just like what Mike said, only because like the way they've set up Scarecrow as like this really good big bad, it's going to take more than just Nightwing and Barbara to take him down. I think so. It's going to take the entire team, and, I, and they're um, they're they're undermanned right now. It, well, and especially with everybody being cut loose with anti fear toxin, I hope we do at some point see him getting his mask back. He got to. He's he got to. to. And I was hoping cool. he would get it back before he shit all over Jason's parade, because <laughs> Jason's probably not going to be too keen on sneaking into the cave and stealing it. I, I like the look that we got at this cool mask. I want him to wear something, something better. Else. Yeah, something and better. He probably has something up his sleeve. So for my score, I'm right there with you, David. I I, I was going to score an 85. Um, that dip for me is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. That's still a solid score. We've got a lot of moving parts. We got some things that we just talked about. We don't know what's going to happen, but we've got seven episodes to figure it out. So I'm I'm not worried. Yeah, I'm not worried yet. So that's going to do it for tonight's. Uh, episode of DC on RMD Titans edition. You can always check out our past episodes on DC on RMD.com, or you can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, um, all the places and Twitch will be streaming again, the next episode live on Twitch. So check us out. Who are you bitches? Mother of God. Would you look at the time when you came here, you had an hour. Now it's less.